We have been working through a series that we just started last week called Empowered, and we're going to read through a bunch of stories from the book of Acts. So last week we read about Jesus' ascension. He calls the disciples to be witnesses, and they're supposed to uh, wait for the power of the Spirit to come upon them. And so we're going to pick up our story in Acts 1, verse 15 and following. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Together the crowd numbered about 120 persons. And Peter said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us, and he was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man, Judas, acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all of his bowels gushed out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem, so that the field was known was called in their language Hakadama, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, "Let his homestead become desolate, and let there be no one to live in it, and let another take his position of overseer." And so, one of the men who have accompanied us during all of that time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. And so they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also known as Eustace and Matthias. And then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was added to the eleven apostles. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is an interesting story, because it is the intermission, the in-between, of Jesus powerfully being present with them, teaching them, calling them, giving them a mission, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And then he, he leaves them behind, not going to be alone forever, uh, but to be empowered. But this is the one story we get narrated out between when he leaves and when we get the Pentecost scene where the Spirit comes and they start sharing good news to everybody who's come for the festival. So this is our only in the meantime, in the in-between time to, uh, to wrestle with. And so the, let's say, plain reading of this text, maybe the boring reading of this text, perhaps, would be simply to be like, this is like reading a business minutes from a, a church board meeting way back when, just a random week. Peter's like, hey, you know, we're, we're missing somebody. Let's add somebody to the list. They put two people forward. They pick one, and they go about their business. Uh, That's not too exciting. That's not too interesting. And I don't think that's why Luke is writing this story to us. I think there's a lot more going on underneath the surface. Because I think this is a story about everybody in this story grappling with, how do we accomplish the task in front of us? How do we go forward? If I'm supposed to be a witness to all the earth, how is this going to happen? And everybody is wrestling with what's coming next. Now, the sad part of this story, which isn't necessarily tonally seeming like it's that sad, uh, they read about Judas, and it doesn't come across that they are too disappointed in his uh, demise. Uh, They're kind of -of matter-of-fact about it. 
But I, I think what's interesting in the Christian tradition, there's always people who are very interested in why did Judas do what he did and all of that. Um, but the Christian tradition is also a little bit confusing around his death. Um, both Matthew and here in Acts, he dies, um, his memory is recounted. Uh, in Matthew, it's pretty plain that he hung himself. So he commits suicide. And in Acts, it's a little ambiguous. He falls headlong, his stomach's bursting out, something weird's happening to him. Maybe it's divine judgment. Maybe he, uh, his body can't take what he's done and his guilt and shame, it's all tearing him apart from the inside out. Maybe he's throwing himself off of a high building and he's coming to the ground and his insides are coming out. We don't get a precise explanation. And we are all just left to wrestle with what do we do with Matthew and, and Acts versions of this story. Also in Matthew, uh, Judas doesn't want the money after Jesus has been arrested and they go to crucify him. He tries to give the money back. And uh, then he kills himself. And then the temple officials say, we can't use this money, it's blood money. And so they buy a field and they dedicate it to foreigners like as a cemetery plot. Uh, but here in Acts, it seems more like he's bought this field um, and then he dies in this field. But I do wonder what it's like to be faced with what you've done, to be faced with things maybe not working out the way he expected it to when he betrays Jesus. And I think Judas found no way to understand or imagine, how do I do anything else from here? He felt powerless and he felt like, what, what can I do in my story? And so he took a route uh, that is a sad one, uh, that many, many people know people who've, who've taken their own life, and that's such a painful, heavy thing for people to carry, uh, for friends and for family. Maybe you yourself have struggled with depression, with thoughts of, can I go forward? And Judas' story is one that's a reminder of how dangerous it is to feel powerless. When you feel like you have no options, you feel like you have no control, you can't fix your story, and that bleakness leads to some dark places. One of the things that we are all as a country going through is we get visuals, we get audio of the most tragic moments that happen. So I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have saw footage of the school shooting, the children, seen footage of parents being held back, wanting to enter into a building. One of the dangers in the aftermath is how do I respond to tragedy? And one of the th people you might pray for, and you might feel like they've done a lot of things wrong and they should have handled things differently, but I would imagine that it is hard for the police who are on that scene to come to grips with their own decisions, their commander's decisions, the painful, gruesome thing that that shooter did. And we all can get to a spot where we struggle with, how do I get out of this place can I live with myself? Can I live with my decisions? Is there a place for me? And I wish our story would have allowed us to see Judas show up and repent and what would happen. That's not the story we get to um, because he didn't take those steps. Uh, but there is something for us if you're in the bleakest place where people are definitely going to want to write some bad things about you, uh, don't let your powerlessness 
be the end of your story. Keep coming back to God. Keep coming back to others. And allow God to create a new chapter. And don't give up. And so the disciples, though, they're still fuming. They don't seem to be missing Judas too much in the story. And it's hard to blame them. Right? I mean, we understand what pain is like and what's it like to feel betrayed, what's it feels like to feel like someone has let you down. So they are just left with, what do we do now that Judas has betrayed us? And so Peter thinks he's going to fill the time and fill the void and say, okay, while we're waiting, you know, we were given a really big task. We were supposed to be witnesses. Did you hear Jesus? He said, to the ends of the earth. And you can understand his predicament because he's thinking, how are, all, how are just the small group of folks going to take the good news everywhere? And so he comes up with a good plan in his mind. Well, you know, we used to have 12 of us and we've got a vacant seat on the team, we should probably fill that chair. Wouldn't that probably be a good thing to do? You know, Jesus had 12 of us, we should probably get another person. And so what he does is he goes and he reads through the Psalms and he finds some things that feels relatable, and he's like, you know, David felt betrayed. And you know, he felt like Absalom let him down and accused him and betrayed him. And you know, when David talks about a betrayer, he talks about being replacing that person. So maybe we too should go about replacing Judas. Now what's interesting is we have stories in Acts where the task they have is too much for them. Where people come up to them and say, hey, our widows, our orphans, our, like folks are not getting taken care of. What are you going to do? And they pull a group of people together and they invite I think seven different people to come and lead, and they're supposed to be tasked with doing service for the community so that they could keep sharing the word. And we know that Stephen goes on and he's going to share the word regardless of whatever task he got given. But we know there are moments where the disciples clearly need more help, and they go and they, they make that happen. But there's nothing in our text that says clearly they absolutely needed more help, that they couldn't do this task on their own, but I could imagine that you would understand this feeling of, I'm waiting for the moment where I feel empowered to do this thing, but it looks too big. Surely I need some help. You know, if our team just added one more voice, you know, one more gifted person, then we're going to be able to do this thing. And so they, they decide to fill the void and the emptiness of the waiting period with, let's hire somebody. Let's make one more addition. That will make us be able to fulfill the calling Jesus gave us. Never mind the fact that Jesus was there for a while, never once you know, went and tapped on Matthias or Eustace's shoulder and said, hey, if you haven't noticed, Judas isn't here, I'm calling you. And that probably would have been easier for the disciples. Why couldn't Jesus have made this call for us? But instead, they feel like they have to go through this process on their own. And so they say, let us pick someone. And they say, so one of the people who had accompanied us from the time, all the time that the Lord was here, when Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with his baptism of John until the day when he was taken from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. You could imagine that if you were tasked with being witnesses to Jesus, this feels like good criteria. 
Who's been here the longest? Who's seen everything that Jesus did? That makes a good witness. That makes plenty of sense. Right? Of Okay, you were there so you can share what you witnessed. What's going to be interesting is in the book of Acts, there's somebody else who's going to be called to be an apostle. Somebody who on his way got knocked off of his path burst of light, sound of God. Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? And so Saul or Paul, whichever name you want to use for him in the story, would be somebody who feels incredibly called. I am an apostle of Christ Jesus, sent to go share this good news. And yet he can be a witness without having been there for the whole thing. But you can understand the disciples, We need someone who was there long enough. So let's pick somebody who's been there with us from the beginning. And so they make some options. And so Matthias and Eustace are put out forward. Apparently even the disciples have a two-party system. Got to pick one or the other. And so I don't know what that experience would have been like to be Eustace or Matthias. Like what's it like to be like, do you want to be one of the 12? Maybe the way that you think about the 12 of like, what would it be if there was an empty seat and they said, hey, you're on that team. You are one of the 12. Like that feels like a big responsibility. That feels challenging, but also honoring. Does anybody feel worthy for that? And I wonder what Matthias or Eustace thinks about that, of like, Are they ambitious for it? Are they like, I really don't want to be on this team. This is too much. Why are you asking this of me? Uh, But they're the two that are presented. And I wonder what that interview kind of sounds like. And, And yeah, he knows the story. But it's fun to be like, so tell me how the last person who had this position, what was what was he like? How did that end? Because uh, for some of us, you know that that job, that situation where you weren't aware of what you stepped into. Like, oh, this wasn't what I expected. Uh, But it wasn't easy, and it's not going to be easy. And so Eustace and Matthias are invited into this process. Now what's interesting is we have only one moment in all of Acts where what happens in the story happens. They cast lots. And I don't know if this is meant to be some contrast that once the Spirit comes upon them, they don't have to do some sort of exterior thing anymore. But they're like, how do I know that we're picking the right person? And maybe you've seen a team just make a decision of like, I don't know which is the right call. Probably both of these things work. It's really tough to tell. Why don't we roll some dice? Why don't we flip a coin? Which one's heads or tails for Matthias or for Eustace? You know? Matthias, what do you want? Heads or tails? Flip the coin. Say, it's on you, God. However this thing lands, it's your decision. Uh, you make the call. And we don't know for certain. You know, we, we assume God's in the way this thing lands, uh, and that God's going to cooperate and be in the midst of this thing. Uh, whether it's led by chance or led by the Spirit, the lot falls on Matthias. And I want you to imagine, like, if you were there and you're Matthias, and it falls on you, are you excited? Are you like, oh no, why me? I was really hoping the other guy would get this thing. 
oh, that pressure, everyone's looking at you. But you're watching the, you know, the roll the dice lands on you. And you've got to step up into this position. Whether you felt ready or not, yeah, you saw everything that's kind of happened up to now. But how do you have the kind of courage to say, okay, yeah, I will be one of you, and I can see myself as one of you. And what's interesting in the story is that this is the pinnacle of Matthias's representation in the Bible. Like he was never, you know, he said he was there from the beginning. We don't get one gospel ever mentioning Matthias. We don't get the book of Acts ever mentioning Matthias again after this. You know, Peter really felt we got to have that one more person. And yet he's unnamed everywhere else. And that's, it's interesting to struggle through. Uh, and I think there's such power and beauty in this text to think through what, what experience of this you would kind of resonate with. What do you need to hear? Because I think that some of us are like Peter, where we felt like, okay, you know, I don't, I know that my limitations, I know that we're probably not enough. And maybe you discounted yourself or you discounted your, your friends, your coworkers. And you said, all right, let's go look for somebody else. You know, it might be the, uh, the hiring firm came in and looked at your company and was like, yeah, we're definitely doing an outside hire. Nobody trusts the people that have been there, right? And just like, uh, you're not going to be able to handle this. But what is it to actually just sit and rest with God and say, okay, you've given me a task. You've called me to be a witness. I'm not going to doubt you. I think I can do it. I think my friend can do it. I think my family member can do it. I'm going to trust you. And so, Lord, if you said you're going to give us power, I trust you. Give us power, and we'll be your witnesses. But God also accommodates us. So when we feel too small, sometimes we need a little help and we need somebody else to step up. And, you know, we have stories like Moses saying, God, you know, I can't speak well enough. Can he, at least maybe my brother can talk, you know, can, can he come along with me? And there's a little bit of that, I think, in this story of the disciples being like, we kind of want Matthias to walk along with us. Can, can we just bring him along? And the nice thing is that the lots didn't fall where they like shattered on the ground, destroyed. God said, how dare you? But they fell where they would, and, and Matthias steps up. So sometimes when you feel like you're not enough, even if that's not true, God will still accommodate and be there with you and will bring others along in that story with you. Uh, as you learn to realize, you can do this with God. And you don't actually always need that extra person that might be a crutch in your life. Maybe some of us might resonate with Matthias. Maybe you've been invited into something, whether it was a job you had or um, a role in your family life, uh, a role in church and schools and wherever it is, where you're like, I don't know exactly how I ended up in this thing. You know, somebody just asked me, and the dice rolled and it, and it fell on me. And that that's okay. That your story can be a part of uh, stepping into that thing. You know, even though Matthias doesn't get named, every time it talks about the apostles and the rest of the book of Acts, just say Matthias as well. The apostles and yes, Matthias. 
did signs of wonders, preached good news. And so maybe your name won't be made you know, famous. Maybe you won't get notoriety. But you're just a part of a team who is following God the best that you can. And then that's enough. The Christian tradition has some really fun stories because, like us, they might say, well, what on earth happened to Matthias? Why did we say that he got picked to be one of the twelve and we hear nothing else from him? Luke, why would you end your story this way? Give us some more details. And there's a fun text called the Acts of Andrew. Sometimes it's called the Acts of Andrew and Matthias. And it tells a story where they cast lots again. And this is a typical thing in the early church tradition. You only have a few details about a character, so you see those details echoed in the next stories that you tell. So poor Thomas and all the stories that get told about him, he keeps doubting, poor guy. And so for Andrew and Matthias, you get another story. And the disciples, the, the apostles, they cast lots to decide, where on earth, God, are you sending me to be a missionary? And if you could imagine, if you want to think about Matthias sitting there and the apostles thinking, all right, where's my mission calling? Please let it be Rome. Ooh, France would be nice. Oh, can I go there? For us, maybe thinking Hawaii. You know, what, what are your destination spots where you're like, God, oh, please don't send me to Hawaii. That would be so sad. You know where Matthias gets called on this unusual tale? A country of cannibals. Talk about the worst lot to fall. They're literally just man-eaters. And uh, they, they take foreigners, they imprison them, they gouge their eyes out, and you wait 30 days until you're going to die and be eaten. Like, that sounds awful. Also, you know why this works as a story that people tell. <laughs> like, it was a gripping, entertaining story. And in that story, you might be like Matthias, being like, why are the lots falling on me? Why is this my lot? And he's imprisoned, waiting around, and God tells him, Matthias, you're not alone. I'm sending Andrew. Uh, don't worry. You and anyone you talk to will be saved. And God tells him, because there's this 30-day thing in the story, God tells him, I'm getting Andrew in 27 days. You're going to have to wait with me. You're going to have to sing songs. You're going to have to pray. But I need you to trust me. Eventually, someone will join you. And you're not going to be alone. You will be saved. And so God does it. God waits 27 days in the story, talks to Andrew. And Andrew goes, wait, I've got three days to get there? How am I supposed to do that? And it's a great, it's kind of an Emmaus story. Another like undercover Jesus boss show going on. Jesus is the ship captain. Asks Andrew, hey, tell me about Jesus. And the Spirit takes them, makes it to their foreign land, helps save the people. And I think about how many of us feel like we're alone on the mission, where it's a gift to have an extra person, whether it's a Matthias, join our team. Maybe we could have done it on our own, but it sure helps to have some company. It sure helps not to feel alone. What is it like for Matthias to feel like I'm the odd one out? I'm the last pick on the team. I get the worst destination point, but you're still not alone. So the ends of the earth means everywhere. That doesn't mean you're going to be alone at the ends of the earth. So there's beauty about thinking about even if you're the last one picked, 
God's still with you. God's still going to use you, even if it might feel like no one notices you. But you might be one last place this morning. Maybe you know what it's like to be like Eustace. He's got a lot of names in this story, which is kind of interesting. I kind of wonder if there's a bunch of traditions about some other people that were up for the position, and we've coalesced all those names, because poor guy, he's Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Eustace. I mean, he's got a lot of names. And there's a lot of names of people who feel like got passed up. And can you imagine if you were like so close to feeling like, all right, like, man, God's going to use me. This is like the dream job. This is the dream calling. I would love to be one of the 12. Maybe you had a job you were so excited for. You had a great interview. They had a call back. You had a great second interview. And you're like, oh, I, I just can't wait. I, I would love this thing. Maybe you had a, a person that you went on a date with. You had a relationship and you're like, oh, this is the one. And then... The lots fell, and it wasn't the one. And you can feel like, does anybody hear me? God, didn't you know that I wanted this thing? Didn't you know how much I needed this? Can't I get picked once? You might feel like in your life, God keeps picking other people. The opportunities keep passing you by. But what is it like to be Eustace and have the lot not fall for you and to not stomp out? Say, it didn't fall for me. And I'm going to still sing songs. I'm going to still pray. I'm still going to give everything I have. I'm still going to be a witness. I don't need the title here because Jesus called us all to be witnesses. And what a great example that can be for us that the story is not always about getting picked. It's not always about the one that gets to make the team, gets the notoriety. And so I find it beautiful that we get the name of the person not picked. We get a bunch of names. But you were seen too. Even when it feels like you were neglected, overlooked, you're still a part of the story. And so I hope that wherever you're at in your walk, and wherever you're at feeling empowered of like, God, can I actually do this thing? You might find yourself into the story and find some, some strength, find some comfort. I think God is calling you that you can do things that you don't imagine that you can do. And if you feel like you just can't, God allows you to go on this journey with other people. Whether that's 12 or the 120 of the whole gathering, we do this journey better together. And for those of us who are longing for whatever's next in our life, that next step, that next uh, yes, we hold that loosely. Say, God, if it's yours, let it fall on me. Um, but if it's not for me, let me still sing out your praises. And no matter what, let's trust that God is there with us uh, to the ends of the earth. Even when it feels like the people that you're being called to minister to are going to eat you and like chew you up, treat you like you are less than. God still loves you and is with you no matter what. And that's the good news today. Would you pray with me? Lord, Lord, we ask for strength for those who feel uh, less than. Feels like maybe they're 
maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not strong enough. Maybe I don't have the energy. Maybe I don't have the speech. Lord, You call us all to be Your witness. We all testify to the, Your image in this world. Lord, help us to find our, our trust that You as our Creator and Redeemer know what You're doing. Lord, I ask that You might give us strength and courage to follow You into the next steps. That when You ask us to wait for something, that we might have the courage to be able to wait. Lord, for those who feel like they are in need of support, that they need a, a friend, a family member, somebody to help them on this journey, Lord, I, I pray that You would give us a, a mental vision of who that person is. That in our everyday life we might see somebody and realize this is a person that uh, can be a part of our journey. Lord, for those who feel like they've been overlooked, neglected, always the side character of the story. Lord, I ask that you would help us to see ourselves as you see us. Lord, help us to not put our our sense of self-worth just in our titles, just in our official positions and our, and our jobs. Help us to see our worth in you. And Lord, we ask for strength to keep going on this journey. You've called us. You've named us. Lord, help us to have that strength to go forward. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.